prepare yourself to be blown away by the seismic sounds and scrutiny of... Aftershock Podcast with Chris Aiken and Matt Hartness. All right, here we are. Fix that. (laughs) (laughs) I know it. (laughs) All right, here we go, man. Uh, Yes, second live tremors here, Aftershocks, aftershockspodcast.com. Of course, I'm Matt Hartnett, and I got my partner in crime over there, Mr. Chris Aiken. What's going on, Chris? What is up, peoples? Here we go, doing this again. We got a great show tonight. Uh, I guess we can go ahead and let's go through the lineup here just to... Give our listeners a little intro here of who we're going to be talking to tonight. First up, we've got bassist Monty Colvin. Of course, Monty's from a lot of uh, metal band Galactic Cowboys. And uh, last, last we heard of uh, Galactic Cowboys, it was about a couple, about three years ago or so, right? Mm-hmm. They had that long way back to the moon release. That was their first yeah. release in like 17 years. It was quite a surprise. I actually thought that they were done. Sure. Um, so it'll be cool. We'll talk to Monty about that. He's also got his own podcast called Monty Rocks. That's been around for a little while now, right? About eight years or so, right? Yeah, the 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 rock cast has been going for a while, and it's uh, I love it. I you know I, I was telling Monty before we started how much I like it. I think he was really surprised. I think he thought I was probably just saying that to just say it because uh-huh. I do until uh-huh. I started actually referencing stuff from the podcast. But I'm a big fan of it, man. He's he he does a great job at telling stories, which we will get into and. In- Hopefully he does a good job tonight telling stories. Oh, yeah, I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will, man. And, of course, we got our second guest, Elias Soriano, the vocalist from New Metal Veteran Heavyweights there at Nonpoint. Yeah. Um, and another, we were just talking about them a little bit, uh, you know, right before the show here, we were talking about their last record that came out a couple of years ago, 10. Mm-hmm. And that's a really, really good record, man. I mean, I'm really impressed with that. I was blessed in that uh, last few days. and. Sure. Good stuff, man. They've been around God for a long time now, man. I mean, like they yeah yeah i think a little over 20 years they they, well they were you know part of that um that whole florida you know fort lauderdale florida scene i Mm -hmm. I believe so i'm gonna ask him about that but you know we had marilyn manson that came out of there uh the band uh collapsing lungs that turned into that band lungs that 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 lungs record i don't know if you ever heard of that that's such a that's one of my favorite records from that time from that rap metal stuff back in the mid nineties. You you know that record at all? I don't know that record. No, I I will have to give you uh, yeah. Check that out. L U N G S periods in between. Um, Yeah. They started out as collapsing lungs. They were on Atlantic. I guess they got booted. They had like an EP out. And then, um, yeah, then I think pavement picked up lungs, which is basically the same band. I think they changed one member. Uh, they, okay. uh, yeah, I think the member in that band was, and then the, one of the singers in the band was like the one of the original bassists for Marilyn Manson. Okay. Um, so yeah, there was a cool little scene that was out of the, uh, Fort Lauderdale back then, back in the nineties there. So, uh, you know, one of the things too, man, I like about Elias, man, is you know, um, is it ter- is in terms of social media. I mean, he does a really great job mm-hmm. um, putting some really cool things on social media these days in order, you know, to keep his fans engaged. Uh, I mean, he does it as well as I've seen anyone do it because it's real humorous and fun. It's nothing serious, you know. Um, he, he, and, you know, I think right now it's really crucial that these bands learn how to navigate the social media because that's, you know, I mean, even when things go back to normal in live shows, you know, um, 
he's going to have to, you know, I mean, these bands are going to have to understand that they've got now uh, this time they could build a fan base right now. You know, people are sitting there and they don't have much to do. Right. So this is a even though you can't go out and play live in front of people, you could do these things on social media to attract a new fan base and especially, you know, keep your current fan base engaged. And I think once this pandemic goes and they start playing shows, you're going to see bands like Nonpoint because of Elias and how he works social media. I think they're going to really benefit because people are going to remember them from, you know, from last year and a half, you know, or so from doing you know, promoting their stuff on social media and making it fun and humorous right. and uplifting. And that's so now so much of a downer and talk about politics and all that shit, you know? Right. Dude, my favorite video that Elias has done recently, and it's probably two months old now, but I've watched it probably 30 times and it's so stupid that it's funny. <laughs> yeah. He has a, he has a video. Remember right when the pandemic started and everybody was going crazy about wash your hands and you got to wash your hands X number of mm-hmm. seconds and all that nonsense. Mm-hmm. So he does this video with, uh, it's just him washing his hands while he's singing chaos and earthquakes. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he does it for the length of time that you're supposed to wash your hands. And then at the end he just goes, see, <laughs> that's it. Nice. It's the dumbest video, but it made me laugh to where I've watched it uh-huh. a bunch of times, man. It's mm. just, it's just funny that you're right. He's he's very good at working the social media, man. He is. He's he's great at it, man. Like I was just saying too, it's like you know, I think just these days it's important for these bands because listen, everybody's kind of down in the dumps now. Obviously, everyone's uh-huh. bored. Everyone there's a lot of you know depression going on out there because you know just people are just stuck in their house and. You know, and when these guys come out, these musicians, and they start, you know, bringing up the politics and they start talking about negative things. Listen, I understand it. Everyone's frustrated. But, you know, this isn't, I mean, once again, they got to remember you you guys are entertainers, you know. And a guy like Elias, he's smart because he's continuing to entertain via social media and online. He hasn't stopped that. He hasn't all of a sudden started to get into, you know, talking about politics and stuff. And, you know, my thing, too, with politics, if you're going to do it online, too, there's two things. For one, my, my opinion, don't be putting it on your band's social media page. Right. I mean, look at like, you know, I mean, we can go through a couple of bands, but look at like a band like Trapped, right? How they went through that whole, you know, thing months ago and, you know, they put out a new record. They probably alienated half of their fans, you know, talking about politics. And then, of course, you know, even if, if you're like a Sebastian Bach kind of guy, same thing when you're going off on your own fan base and you're calling yeah. them names because you don't align politically. I mean, I really think it's these, you know, they're it's gonna come back to bite them in the end. I really think they're gonna, um, you know, feel the pain once live music returns because people aren't gonna forget this stuff. They're not. No, know? well, they don't. I mean, look at you know, and again, we're not gonna turn this into politics one oh one. No, but, of course you not. Know, yeah. Look at look at the the NBA right now. They're just exactly. dead. It's dead mm-hmm. in the water ratings wise. Why? Because people are pissed off about the the po- yeah. politics, you know, it, the bottom line. For NBA, for sports, for what we do, for music, for musicians, we all use this stuff to get the fuck away exactly. from the real day-to-day stuff. Exactly. You know what? I you know I I'm not politics guy. I mean, I mm-hmm. I know about it because of obviously my partner on the CMS is you know the conductor of the Trump train. Mm-hmm. But you know I'm not. I don't mm-hmm. give a shit. Just just let me make my money, and I don't care what you do. But I don't, I have never once in my lifetime ever 
gone, even with bands that are overtly political, I've never gone to listen to a Rage Against the Machine record to say, you know what? I need to learn something about today's political climate. Exactly. So let me throw on Renegades and, and get mm-hmm. a feel for that. And, yep. you know, I've never gone to a Pearl Jam album and said, you know what? I really need to know about the Me Too movement. Let me see what Eddie Vedder's got to say. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's dumb. It's, it's dumb, like, man. just play your music. Let me enjoy your music. Let me get five seconds away from the political shit. Exactly. So that I can just, you know, imagine a world where it's not every minute. And it's like, I get it. We're all locked down. So that's, you know, it has become the sport. Yeah. And I, I hate to say it, but that's why it's so prevalent right now. It's because there's nothing else to do and it has become the sport. There's nothing else to watch. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point. Well, you know, the good thing is one thing in, on here on, on you know aftershocks and tremors is like you said, we're totally there's going to be no politics in this yeah. stuff whatsoever. Um, it's all music because music, not to sound clicheish and all, you know, happy feely thing, but it, it is one of those things that can bring you know uh, you know things together. I don't want to say people or whatever, but just in general, it's a positive sort of you know outlet that people yeah. have, whether you're using it as you know. Um, personal you know out that you have whether it's stuff you're dealing with personally internally or whatever it's supposed to be an uplifting thing even if it's a melancholic song or a band it has it's just one of those things where that melancholy can actually kind of uplift you and that's the whole thing with music you know and we i think we you know we talked a little bit about this with uh peter you know from sons of silver about you know how yeah back in the 60s and the 70s you know yes politics was in music i mean we get it but it was different people weren't saying they were on, you know, for one party or the other. It was against all politicians. It was against all government and politics. Right. You know, it had there was no taking sides. Where nowadays, it's just like everyone's got to take a, you know, a darn side or something, man. It's just, yeah, you know. So anyway, but the good thing is, is yeah, we're not going to have to worry about that here <laughs> on Aftershocks. Right. So we'll just get that out of the way. So, uh, yeah, also, let's talk about some, uh, you know, more positive things here. Let's talk about. What's going on right now with Aftershocks? Sure. Uh, I'm going to bring something up here in just a second for everybody. Uh, and let's talk about, well, for one, let's talk about Aftershocks now. If you want to watch or listen to us, you can always go on. Let me bring it up here. We've, we're on Roku now. We're available on Roku. Yes, yep. we are. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so, and, of course, every episode, you know, we've had episodes every Monday and Thursday, and we we do Tremors here live, you know, biweekly, every other Wednesday. And um, so, yeah, if you got Roku. Go ahead and, uh, you know, check us out on there. And, uh, yeah, let's also let me just share another thing here. We're also on Amazon Fire TV as well. That's right. Yeah. Look at us. So. We are players. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. We're, uh, you know, <laughs> we, and we're also talking about doing an app as well for, for the show. We are. Um, yeah. So hopefully that'll be, you know, becoming in the not too distant future. Sure. And uh, yeah. And so another cool little thing we got going on too, just to give our listeners and obviously, you know, everyone knows you, Chris, from the uh, classic metal show, of course, that you've mm-hmm. been doing for years. And, uh, you know, um, some people know me that, you know, uh, from doing the shockwave skull sessions for the last year and a half with Bob Nalbandian. Sure. And so what we're doing now is we've got the new CMS podcast network that's coming soon. That's right. Right. So we got the classic metal show, Shockwave Skull Sessions, and Aftershocks podcast all under one umbrella now. So uh for anybody out there, if you know, if you like all these podcasts, you like one or two of them, whatever, 
they're all going to be available now on the same place. So yeah, so you won't yeah. have to you won't have to have multiple podcasts, um, RSS feeds or feeds into your podcast player. You just subscribe, uh, you just subscribe to one one place, and um, all three shows will be delivered to you. So you will get everything in one place. They'll be labeled appropriately so that you know. You know, when when you get a download, if it's a CMS one or if it's an Aftershocks one or if it's a Skull Sessions one. And, um, you know, it's just when we talked about it and we 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 kind of talked about it for all of what, about 18 seconds via email. Mm. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. But, but it was a simple solution, really. It was mm. whenever whenever Skull Sessions puts out an episode, I share it on the CMS stuff and you share it on the Aftershocks page. Yes. And whenever Aftershocks put something out, we both share it on Skull Sessions and CMS, you know, respectively. Mm. So we were already kind of doing it anyway, as mm. far as promoting what everybody's doing. We all, me, you, Bob, and Neely, we all get along real well and we all, you know, talk to each other a lot. Mm. So it, it just made sense since we're all working together anyway to put these shows together and make one master hub for for the podcasts you know we're we're all we all have a similar fan base i think the skull sessions fan base and the cms fan base are the same and while i don't think everybody that listens to those two are going to like everything that we do with with aftershocks mm -hmm. i think there's more people that listen to more than just classic metal sure you know that that would love to have access to different interviews and, and big yeah. interviews. And, you know, we're getting some big ones that are, you know, coming up one or two that we'll talk about here, you know, right before we close the show. Sure. Yeah. That's going to be a, a real fun. Uh, yeah. Tell people who we're going to have on. Yeah. But, but I, I just think that for, for, uh, you know, a show that we're trying to build and obviously, you know, I don't think you have to be a rocket scientist to figure out when we're announcing that we, we launched channels on Roku and that we've launched a channel on, on Amazon and that we're building an app and the app is going to have a channel on Apple, you know, on mm -hmm. Apple TV. Our, our goal at the end of the day is to have an empire, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, man. I mean, at least, you know, in, in the, well, I mean, and I think too, you know, uh, just quickly too about Aftershocks, you know, right. as you, just piggybacking off what you said, uh, you know, obviously one of the reasons why we wanted to start Aftershocks as well is we, you know, there, there's such a void for, you know, new bands or, or bands that have been around for a while, but really haven't been able to get the sort of, you know, press or, you know, whatever you want to call it, just the notoriety right. uh, through the, you know, typical means, you know, through podcasts or through, you know, uh, typical media outlets for metal and rock. Um, so we, we want to obviously, you know, showcase and highlight some of these newer bands that, you know, we say new bands too, like, you know, a good example is we'll talk about, you know, the one we uh, did uh, yesterday with uh, Tanner from uh, Madrust. I mean, yeah. those guys, this is their fourth record. You know, they've been around for eight years or so yet, they're still a quote unquote new band. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, half the people that are watching right now are probably like who? Madrid. Exactly. No. Sure. Mm -hmm. no. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like, so we want to definitely, uh, you know, uh, highlight some of those bands, just, you know, give them sort of a platform where they, you know, can, where, where the listeners can hear some new music. You know what I mean? Like you said, there's no more outlets 
for the newer stuff or very few of them, you know, especially here. I know in the U.S., I don't know really hardly any. So, uh, yeah, so that, that was one of the, you know, ideas we had coming into Aftershocks because obviously as we, you know, as everyone knows, you know, shockwave skull sessions and classic metals, all the classic stuff. Mm-hmm. Yet at the same time, you know, we're not limiting it to just new up and coming bands. Obviously, no. like I said, we've got Elias and Monty coming on today, two veterans that have been around for, you know, 20, 30 years, you know, yeah. in the business. So, um, yeah, so it's just, uh, you know, once again, we're just trying to, I guess, come up with some creative ways to keep, you know, the fire going is a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of these guys we talk to, you thank us for, you know, just because, right. you know, I'm not saying, oh, we're doing this great thing. We, we're doing this because we enjoy doing it. We love it. But it is also, you know, great to obviously get some of these unknown bands on here as well. Yeah. Sure. No, it's, it, it really is. And it's, it's a, um, it, it's, it's so hard today to make money as a musician. And it's even harder with the pandemic going on, you know, where, where, the, the money and the notoriety and everything is really at an all-time low. Mm. And as we've found just from interviewing band after band after band, and we've done 40, 50 interviews at this point, you know, every band says the same thing about how, you know, this is the way that they have to get out there now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, they're, they're so happy. And, and this is established bands and new bands. The new bands seem amazed that we're willing to do video with them. That's always sure. that cracks me up. Like when we we interviewed the um the band Hina was it Hinayana Hinayana yeah and and that guy I forget what is Casey, Casey Casey yeah Casey could not have been happier that we treated him like a professional and not like bullshit band that you know upstart nobody yeah yeah mm-hmm. you know and we treated we did what thirty five minutes with him and mm-hmm, we sure. talked a lot with him um. And, you know, and, and we really broke it down and that's, what's missing today. I mean, everybody saw, saw the article last week where that, you know, that asshole over at Spotify said, well, if you guys want to make money, you got to work harder, mm-hmm. you know, you got to work differently and you have to work in our model, not, not, you know, create your art the way that, um, the way that you do. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, that that's so unfair, but one of the reasons Spotify can do that is they've got a stranglehold on the industry. Yeah, you know, good point. Mm-hmm. you have to, you have to do it their way. And if you don't find, if there's no other mediums out there to do it, then their way, then, you, then the bands are stuck and there. And most of them are going to fail because, mm-hmm. you know, a band like Hinayana is not going to do 48 million downloads or plays on Spotify. Sure. Mm-hmm. They're going to do 10,000 plays for, for this current record that's coming out. Maybe mm-hmm. if, you know, if they can get some reach, but they'll get more reach if, if people hear it on an aftershocks or on a talk to me or on a talking metal or mm-hmm. Josta or, or whoever, you know, I mean, whoever it is, if they hear it in other places and at least gives them a shot and unfortunately, or fortunately, fortunately for us, but unfortunately for the bands, this is the new media. This yep. is the new way there's mm-hmm. not. You know, there's not radio stations lining up to have to bring a band into the studio to to sit around and wax poetic about their, um, you know, their time in the studio, the two years in the studio they took to re- make their next record. Mm-hmm. That is dead. It's it's gone. Instead, it it's gone to music has gone underground. It it, it really rock and metal anyway. Rock and metal, an underground thing again. Yeah, and you know, on. Un- 
we have the technology. All, all we're doing right now, all this is, is the same shit that Bob Nalbandian was doing in 1978 and 79 and 80. This is the, you know, fanzine, the fanzine, the yeah. print rag that he printed on, you know, his business's copy machine when they weren't looking and mailed mm-hmm. out. He said, no, it's right. Yeah, sure. No, yeah. That that's all this is. We just have better equipment to do it. Exactly. Well, and the thing is, I think it's, a, you know, this is a good way because now these bands and musicians, they're, they are home now. And so they're not out in the road. Uh-huh. They could, they could kind of get to, you know, get used to this. I mean, yeah. like embrace, start embracing If There's a time where, you know, it's, you know, I understand when you're on the road and you're, you're, you know, making uh, music, you know, writing songs and, you know, all the time, I understand you don't have a lot of time to sit around and just mess around with all the stuff online and figure the stuff out. But now there's no excuse. You've got, the time to do it. You know right. what I mean? This whole time thing anymore. It's not like you can't say you don't have the time that we know that's a bunch of bullshit if you do. Yep. So it's like this. And this is, like you said, this is the new medium. I mean, this is the way you think about it. We're still going to be in this pandemic for quite some time. Live music, especially is going to be not going to be out there for at least we're looking at a year, probably, right. you know, for, for to, to really fully open up everywhere. Mm-hmm. So in the meantime, yeah. I mean, what, what are you going to do? You know what yep. I mean? So it's like, this is the way this is it. And so I think it's like, you know, we've got Elias, like, you know, we keep talking about Elias, but he's such a great, I think, example of it uh, in terms of not only he's, you know, doing what he's doing on social media, but he's going on all these podcasts. I mean, uh-huh. he's, you know, he's going to be, uh, you know, I, I won't give away what he's doing, but he's not even really home right now. And yet he's going to be on with us. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I think the ones like him who are taking it seriously, they're being real professional about it. These are the ones who are going to, in my opinion, are going to, when this pandemic's over, they're going to gain such, you know, just not just new fans, but they're going to gain a whole lot of respect from people that might have not given them, you know, uh, a listen or the time of day before. You know what yeah. I mean? And, and yeah. you know, the, the sad truth is, is that the, the I'll call them mid card bands, but I only say that based on success, not on not on music. But the mid card bands, the bands like a non point, as an example, mm-hmm. they don't even have the advantages that these other bands have right now. You know, you obviously the, the big news this week, Metallica doing the drive-in thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, a band like Nonpoint cannot, A, they don't have the fan base to do it. B, they don't have the funding to do it. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and, and they don't have their own basically arena that they can that they can use to do a to do a video and shit. Yeah. True. So, you know, mm-hmm. so they get left behind and they get, you know, they get pushed further down the spectrum where a, you know, a band like a Metallica they're going to thrive. They're going to, they're going to yeah. make the best of a bad moment. You know, mm-hmm. they're gonna, like, they always do. They're going to make the lion's share of the money, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's out there to be made right now. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think that that's a long-term solution. I think that's the, you know, the unexpected perk of a band that has had a 40 year run at the very tip top of success. Yeah, no, the, exactly. The average bands, you know, the average, the average middle tier bands have to do different things. And I mm-hmm. think you've seen a, over through the pandemic, you've seen a lot of people try different things and some work and some don't, I mean, you know, and some work for some people and some don't like, I, mm-hmm. I personally not a fan of the, um, the quarantine sessions or whatever you want to call that. I'm not either, but, but I understand it, but yeah, I get it. I, I, I get it. And there are certain ones that I've sort of enjoyed here and there. You know, I, I enjoyed the armored saint one. I thought that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm 50, 50 with Charlie Benante and friends. 
<laughs> yeah. Some of that's been okay. Some of it hasn't been, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, but you know, I, and I get that they're trying, they got to do something. You can't, you can't just sit at home when you're an artist. That's no, not you what can't. artists do. Yeah, no, you can't. I, you know, the thing is too, is the bands, what I'm seeing is you're not necessarily seeing band like a full band doing a lot of these songs. It's right. musicians who are friends with each other who are doing, mm-hmm. you know, where I like, for instance, you know, it just takes, you know, Sons of Silver. They did a song, an actual song as a band right. together and had a video. I mean, I think that's one thing, but my thing is, is and I'm cool with, you know, if you, you know, musicians just kind of get together and goof around and, and sure. you know, put out one out. Sure. Fine. Go ahead once in a while and doing it. But there's some of them like, you know, you, you, you brought up, uh, I think it's like, you know, Portnoy or Phil Dunn, and they've done like a whole bunch of them. Sure. You know, like I said, once again, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not knocking or nothing. My thing is more like if you're a band, because to me, it's like if you're not doing it together as a band, like, the, you know, Clutch, for example, they, they're doing live streams all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, some bands are still doing that stuff. I'd like to see the bands themselves do, whether it's a live stream or a video or a song, not musicians right. with other musicians. You know what I mean? And that's the difference. It's almost like you could tell which bands are tight with each other and who isn't right. on this because of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or I'd like to see that. Or I, if they're gonna, if they're gonna do do it, I don't want to see covers either. I'm yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't want to yeah. see. I really don't have any interest to hear. Charlie Benante and Phil Demel and um, I don't know the singer from whatever band doing a cover of man in the box. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't want to see it. I'd rather see anthrax mm-hmm. do an uncover an unplugged set of anthrax that, you know, something that's different, but is still anthrax. Still anthrax. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd rather, and I know that's probably a, Un- unplugged is not what a lot of these guys want to do. Mm. And, you know, certain bands have tried it and have gotten killed, i.e. Metallica. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. Metallica <laughs> tried it and they did, but they they didn't do it well. So that's why they got killed. Mm. But, you know, I, I would much rather see the band as a band, not, not this nonsense of, well, here's Dan Loker, who nobody's heard from in 15 years. Mm-hmm. But he still plays bass, so now he's and he's still friends with Charlie, so he's yeah. playing, and we're doing an MOD cover without Billy, but it's you know, <laughs> yeah, come on, I know, stop it, yeah. I mean, and like I said, um, it, it's like you said, it's one thing if say you know these guys, you know, you get a whole bunch of metal musicians together, and they cover. Maybe something a little obscure. I mean, do we really need to hear them say cover Ace of Spades? You know what I mean? Or right, it too. Yeah. yeah, or the Ramones. Or, you know, it's like, or, or the, the worst to me is when they're, they're covering pop songs. Right. You know, it's like, you know, I, like I said, once again, I mean, I said, everyone's, you know, free to do what they want. And a lot of people, I guess, do like it. So that's cool. You said everybody's different. I totally get that. But my thing is, I don't want to be saturated with it. I don't want to be, uh, you know, every other week or so or two weeks it's like it's the same guys doing you know just another version of some like you know a michael jackson song or something it's like you know i mean i don't know like i said once again i guess it's to each their own but i think there's i think there's other ways that they can entertain sure and do things that fans will appreciate more like i said like a lot of this stuff elias is doing the, the funny silly stuff and once again keep it definitely keep it you know uh upbeat you know, keep it yeah. humorous, you know, in my opinion. Don't don't keep, you know, don't 
you know, I don't know. Anyway, I guess that's a, you know, we've exhausted that topic. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, it's a, it's a topic that gets beaten up because it's, you know, again, there's nothing going on. It's such a weird, it's, a, such a it's weird such a weird musical time, man. It it's, is, man. I know. You know, I don't know that anybody has the right answer. I think there's a lot of answers that are out there and none of them mm. are, none of them are a hundred percent. You know, it's a hundred percent that the world opens up and we fill up rooms with people and we play shows. Yeah, exactly. That's a hundred percent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Working as remote and trying to do zoom shows and mm -hmm. you know, recordings and concerts at drive-ins and, you know, all this other stuff. It's like, ah, yeah. I yeah. No, I think, you know, once again, I mean, social media, you know, just stay, stay active. You know what I mean? It's like, stay, get creative, find some silver linings in this. I mean, not to like make this about us, but that's how we started Aftershocks. It was like, yeah. okay, we both realized we had some time here to do something like this. And then mm -hmm. we took advantage of the, the free time, you know, of, you know, yeah. of things not, you know, myself, like I said, my job, I was working from home and stuff. So it's like, well, I've got more time now. Let's, let's get this done. Let's, let's utilize this, you know, in a positive way. Let's just uh, do something that, um, you know, instead of sitting around and twiddling our thumbs and like I yeah. said, looking for the next, you know, uh, quarantine cover, let's not, let's just do something else. And I have seen, I've seen a lot of people start podcasts and start doing those sure. kind of things. So it is great to see that. And I hope these aren't just, you know, short term things where once things go back to normal, everyone drops it and just goes, right. thinks it's going to go back to the way it was. Cause that's the other thing too. It's not going to go back to this, to the no. way it was regardless. Absolutely you know? not. Dude, yeah. it's gotten, people are, people by the day are getting more comfortable not doing stuff out. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. By the day, which means that this medium is not going anywhere. Nope. Sure is it. You know, you're yeah. before long, you're going to see bands with their own stream yard channels and their own. Mm -hmm. Look, if a dope like me can build Roku channels and Amazon channels, <laughs> then I'd imagine a band can hire somebody to do it. They can yeah. hire me to do it. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, you know I, I mean, it's going to become the way at some point it's definitely going to become that whole, this is what, you know, this is the, the way that we present or one of the ways that we present mm. and, and you know think like armored saint released a new song today wouldn't that have been great if armored saint had their own um had their own roku channel or their own amazon channel as an example mm. and released the video exclusively to their own channel mm -hmm. yeah good point wouldn't that, wouldn't that have been a, a better way to do it than having to do it with like serious xm or or what have you you know, it just would have worked mm -hmm. better. I it think I agree. No, absolutely. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, let's go ahead. Why don't we go ahead and we'll bring in our first guest tonight. And as I mentioned earlier, he's the basis for Houston's metal, uh, excuse me, melodic metal mavens, galactic cowboys. He's also a host of his own podcast that he's been doing for quite some time now called Monty's Rockcast. Mr. Monty Coleman. What's up, Monty? How you doing? Thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. Awesome, man. Well, first thing, man, like, you know, I, I got to ask everybody when I uh, talk to them these days is how are you doing with the pandemic? I hope you're well and your family's well. How are you doing uh, getting through all this right now? Uh, I'm doing fine. Uh, I wish it would get over with because uh, <laughs> get back to living, uh, going to concerts, uh, baseball games and having some fun again. It's, uh, yeah. it's really sucked. It sucks, man. <laughs> I don't know that that's exactly breaking news, Monty. Breaking news. No. <laughs> the pandemic would end. Right. <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, man. So, I mean, while we have you, obviously, here, thanks for coming, man. And, uh, you know, Galactic Cowboys, I mean, 
It's been a while. About three years ago, you guys released um, Long Way Back uh, to the Moon back in 2017. And that was about 17 years before that since you had released uh, a record. Um, and I don't know, like, when you guys released the record, it wasn't like you guys had put together one and you were shopping a label. The label actually came to you guys and offered you a deal. Um, so, I mean, what's going on, I guess, with the band right now? Is there any activity before the pandemic happened or are you guys just kind of taking some time again off? Yeah, we uh, we got together and did it about three years ago. We put it out and then uh, the label didn't really uh, do much with it. And mm. so uh, we just kind of... Uh, went on hiatus again. <laughs> so yeah. uh, that's kind of where we've been. We, we played a few shows. Uh, we played about a year ago and uh, played a couple of shows down in Texas. Oh, cool. And that was fun, but uh, haven't really done much since. And there's not really been any way to tour or anything. So mm. okay. uh, that's kind of where it stands right now. I don't know what we're going to do in the future, if anything, but we'll see. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, I mean, just, you know, just to take us back a couple years ago when you guys did release the album, I mean, when you guys first, I mean, it had been 17 years. I mean, I know you guys had played some, you know, shows in between there, um, but it was 17 years that, you know, you guys didn't probably get together in a studio and record music. How was that after 17 years getting back in the studio recording? I mean, what was the, the, the vibe like? Did you guys click sort of naturally or did it take some time to kind of get things moving again? No, we kind of picked it up where we had left off, and it was uh, really fun and refreshing because, uh, you know, we just, uh, we'd been away from each other for a long time, and it was fun to get back together with those guys, and uh, we just, you know, had fun making music again. There wasn't a lot of pressure to, mm. you know, that we were going to have to do anything big with it. It was just, let's make an album, have fun, and, uh, you know, hope some people like it and enjoy it again, and, so that was kind of the way it was. Okay. Sure. Cool. Nice. Well, well, Monty, um, one of the things, and this is kind of a historical galactic cowboys thought more than just any one release, but I always personally thought the biggest problem that you guys had was that there was way too many perceptions about the band and way too little actually listening to the band. And let me explain exactly what I mean here. Okay. People immediately said they put first you were put into the Christian band thing. And so then everybody's comparing you to Striper. They're all oh, they're a Christian band, so they must be like Striper. <laughs> Nobody's listening. They're just putting you into a category. Uh -huh. Then they started saying when when you guys kind of got away from that a little bit, then they started saying, Well, they sound like King's X. Again, anybody that listened to the band knew you didn't really sound like King's X. You know, but, but you got put into those those categories. And by the time you guys had a couple of records out, you had spent more time just defining yourself as not being in a category that people didn't understand who the band was in the first place. Is that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I mean, that kind of stuff followed us around for our entire career still there. Uh, right. I don't think I've ever read an article or done an interview where they didn't talk about King's X and that's fine. They're good friends of ours and sure. you know, we like them, but uh, yeah, we always saw ourselves as, you know, just a rock band, uh, just a metal band, whatever we do, what we do. And, 
you know, and we, you know, we toured with uh, Dream Theater. We toured with Anthrax in Europe. And so, you know, we uh, overkill, uh, you know, so we toured with a lot of different bands, but uh, we did seem to always get put in that same kind of category. And, you know, I don't know uh, how much it helped or hurt us, uh, but it was what what it was. So did it bug you at the time? You know, I always wanted to just be seen as, you know, us and, you know, taken, you know, for what we did, which I felt was really different, you know, and I, I think history kind of, kind of proved that when, you know, the, even the labels, you know, they didn't really know how to market us. We were on, uh, we were on Geffen and, you know, they, I, I don't think they really knew how to market us and, you know, or what to you know, kind of category to put us in. So, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I always wanted us to just be seen as, uh, who we were and not, you know, get a lot of comparisons, but I guess you always do get compared to something. True. Yeah, no, definitely. You know, one of the things too, Marty, I noticed is, you know, the, the band, you guys released, I think it was like seven studio records from 91 to 2000. That's like seven records in like nine years. That's a lot of music and, you know, in a short amount of time, um, sort of something you'd see from bands like in the seventies. You know, not so much the nineties. Do you think maybe in heights? Do you think? I mean, it might sound a little weird, but you think by releasing so much music in like such a short time that maybe, you know, it, it just could have been a bit detrimental. The fact that you know, once people were maybe starting to hear the record or was gaining steam, you guys were already kind of moving on to you know a new recording and promoting you know a new release. You think that had like an effect at all, or? Uh could have. I, I don't know. I mean, uh, after uh, uh, after Geffen dropped us, we got picked up by Metal Blade, and uh, Brian just liked to, you know, put out albums. And you know, we'd still be touring on the, uh, you know, the, the one album, and he'd go, "Hey, let's put out an EP," you know. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> you know, and so uh, you know, we thought it was great. I don't know if that hurt us. Uh, you know, it, it was just, uh, we always had a lot of material to, uh, you know, keep putting out. So mm-hmm. it was, it was fine for us. I, I really don't know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think Chris alluded to before, you know, with, uh, the comparisons to King's X, I mean, you guys are a lot heavier than King's X. I mean, I think the only reason why people probably compared the two is because of the, you know, the the vocal harmonies, you know, that maybe had a little similarity. Uh, because I never thought you guys sounded like King's X at all. And I think one of the reasons, too, that, you know, you guys were, had such a great, you know, heavy sound, too, was you got such a very unique bass tone. You know, it's not your typical metal tone with that low end, that heavy bottom. It's like you've got more of that high end. It's a lot more treble to it. You're almost sort of like a rhythm guitar type of bass, which is unique. I think that's was what really, I think, uh, you know, made you guys stand out a little bit in terms of your heaviness. Because even when I listen to your solo stuff, your crunchy stuff, it has sort of that same sound as well. Um, so, I mean, explain, man, how do you get that tone? It's really unique. I love it. I mean, I play bass myself. What's, uh, I mean, not to give away your, any of your secrets or anything, but like, what's sort of like your approach there with uh, getting that tone on your bass? Um, well, I don't know if, uh, you're familiar with bi-amping, but uh, yes. it's kind of this deal where you have one complete amp that's low end, just mm-hmm. bass. And then I've got a whole nother set, uh, set up where it's guitar, basically. Okay. It's a guitar head with a guitar four cabinet. Uh, okay. 
412 cabinet and uh, I kind of combine the two and it just makes this uh, really distorted growling uh, you know wall of death yeah. So, yeah, 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 it's great. I mean, it has like a sort of like a lemmy, you know, kind of sound to it a little bit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 I, uh, I was influenced a lot by lemmy. Uh, the first time I went and saw Motorhead, uh, he stopped like in between songs and just kind of strummed his bass. And it was mm. just like this, you know, <laughs> I was like, oh, that is awesome. I'm going to get uh, distortion pedals and, you know, nice. and start making a tremendous noise. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and, and Matt, you would have known that if you were a subscriber to Monty's Rockcast because he told that story, I don't know, maybe two or three months ago on the on the podcast. Yeah. That, mm. uh, Monty, I told you this off off air when we were testing things. I'll tell it again on the air. I love the Rockcast. I it is it is a go-to for me. It is nice. a um, you know, I, I like music podcasts in general, but I really like the rock cast because it's not, it's not phony. It's the most real podcast about, and it's not only about the business. I mean, you talk a lot about your art and you talk a lot about your, you know, your bands and, and yourself and just, you know, living day-to-day life and whatnot. But when you do talk about galactic cowboys, you do it in a way that is, is very real for a band that is your size, the size of Galactic Cowboys. And so few bands do that. Everybody wants to pretend that they were superstars when they weren't. And it's <laughs> very refreshing that you don't. So talk talk a little bit about your decision, you know, not only to start a, to start the rock cast, but to be so open and honest in a time and as a musician where most musicians simply don't have it in them to be that open with their stories okay um well uh you know growing up i used to play with tape recorders and i'd have my own little you know shows and stuff like that and then when podcasts came along i was like man i you know i'd like to do one of these you know so uh i got you know the mac computer and figured out how to do it and uh i when I first started, I was just terrible at it, you know? And so, you know, I just figured, Hey, you know, this is me. I, I, you know, I'm just going to have fun with it. Be myself, be honest, you know, not try to, you know, put on a big phony show. Right. Uh, Just, Mm -hmm. you know, be myself, be honest with people about my life and, uh, you know, the stuff I've been through, which a lot of it's been, bad you know there's a lot of bad stuff that goes on in the music industry and so i just wanted to talk about that stuff i wanted to tell people uh music that i liked and turn them on to new stuff and uh have some fun with it so i kind of take a uh uh, self-deprecating slant sometimes you know uh, throw in a little comedy and just try to make it a fun show so sure I I absolutely love that you said to me that you were worried about the big bad CMS guys hearing it and ripping it to shreds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been a fan of, you know, classic metal show for years and still am. Uh, I sit here and, you know, listen to you guys when I paint and I listen to, you know, this podcast and uh, 
So, you know, I've been a big fan and I always wondered if they ever heard mine, would they, you know, do one of those uh, shows where they like, listen to this guy. (laughs) (laughs) That's too funny, man. Well, um, you know, you mentioned your art, um, Monty, and I, I, I really, really think that that is probably your number one calling these days. I mean, certainly you're, you're an accomplished musician and you could probably, if you wanted to jump right into another band, if you wanted to do that, but you've got some really, really, I don't want to say talent. Cause that's not the right word, but you've got a, a unique way of, of seeing and presenting art, whether it's, whether it's, you know, and for people that don't know, you can go to MontyColvinArt.com and see what I'm talking about. But Monty does a lot of pictures, a lot of paintings of, of rock stars specifically. Those are the ones that I'm most interested in. But they they really seem to have perspective that is not the standard perspective. Your dime bag one, as, as an example, is much more gritty and real than most of the angelic dime bag stuff that you see painted today. And, and like, maybe it's me over reading into it, but like your James Hetfield um, portrait that you painted with the big head almost kind of represents Metallica as a whole today with the bigger, the bigger head than maybe they, they should have, you know? And so obviously if I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong, but um you know, talk a little bit about your art and what goes into that. Cause I think you are a very, I think you're very accomplished at what you do. I think more people need to actually see it. Oh, well, thanks. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, you know, I went to, went to college to study art and I got a degree in art and then I went, wow, what am I going to do? Uh, how, you know, how am I going to make money? And I've spent, you know, the last 35 years trying to figure that out. And, uh, you know, I did some of our album covers and right. things like that. And, you know, I've done a lot of stuff for people over the years. But uh, about a year or so ago, I, I, I did some uh, murals for the School of Rock uh, here in Kansas City. And it was such a blast to do these giant paintings. And I woke up one day and went, you know, maybe I should do those at smaller scale and, you know, have, sell them on a website. And so I've started doing rock stars and they're such a, a, a perfect thing for the way I paint, which was, is with a lot of color and, you know, and just that kind of thing. And, you know, rock and roll and, you know, music just lends itself to, you know, being out there and you know, colorful. And so, uh, I, I love doing the rock stars. Uh, I also, you know, do commissions for people if they want me to paint, you know, their, you know, pets or whatever, you know, their family members. But, you know, the thing I enjoy the most is the rock stars. And, you know, that's been, that's been a blast. Sure. T- talk a little bit or tell the story if you don't mind. And I know I'm making you repeat yourself. Um, tell your Rick Nielsen story. Cause that, when I heard it on the podcast, that's a, fa- that's a fascinating story. Yeah. Well, I did this painting of, uh, Rick Nielsen and, you know, I, I'll just pick different people that, you know, I admire or, you know, whatever, and, and do a painting of them. And so I finally got around to doing a Rick Nielsen 
And uh, I got it done and put it up on the website. And uh, a friend of mine uh, said, hey, you ought to put that on the uh, on this Cheap Trick fan page. And he actually did it for me. And he threw it on there. And about an hour after I posted the, the painting on my website, uh, I get a message from this guy that knows Rick Nielsen. And he's like, hey, uh, is that the actual painting or a print? And I said, it's the real deal. It's, you know, the actual original painting. And he's like, well, I showed it to Rick. He's a friend of mine and he loved it. And uh, I said, well, you want me to get it and you can pay me for it? And Rick's like, yeah, I want that painting. And so uh, next thing you know, uh, you know, the painting was sold. And uh, yeah, there it is. And uh so I, I thanked the guy and I said, could you do me one more favor? Could you ask Rick to take a picture of it with, you know, with the painting? And he's like, you got it. And like a week later, I get this, you know, picture of uh, Rick holding the painting. And of course, he held it upside down because, you know, that's Rick. <laughs> but it, it was still like, oh, my God, I can't believe this. You know, so, yeah, it was uh that was a real highlight. No, awesome. Well, speaking of experiences, uh, Monty, uh, another one I'd like you to maybe tell listeners here is, you know, people might remember uh, Galactic Cowboys as another band name called Sons of Thunder uh, from the movie yeah. Airheads. <laughs> I mean, it's been now a little over 25 years since that's been out now. So tell us a little bit about that experience. What was that? You know, how, what did you get out of that? How cool was that? <laughs> It was cool making it because mm -hmm. uh, we got to hang out on the set for like the whole day. And uh, we hung out with uh, Adam Sandler and uh, the guy that was in Airheads or in uh, uh, Spinal Tap, uh, Michael McKeon. I think that's okay. it. Yeah. Something like that. And, uh, you know, so we, we met like these movie stars and, and hung out with them. And then uh, they made us wear these ridiculous costumes and, uh, you know, we got up there and, and filmed it and I was jumping around and spinning and doing all these rock moves, you know, and, and then, uh, when we, when the movie finally came out, we went to the theater and, you know, our scene came on and I think you see the back of my head for maybe one second. <laughs> but the other guys got to be in the movie and, uh, you know, I, I got my credit in the film, so. <laughs> awesome well did you guys were you was the band able to get any more you know attention from it i mean did people know that was you because it was under a different band name or or no you know if you knew if you knew us i think you know you probably did as far as exposure i don't think it did much for us uh as the way in the way of you know selling albums or anything like that i mm. did make probably more money off of that one that one song, it was a joke song uh, mm -hmm. called uh, Don't Hate Me Because I'm Beautiful. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it was a joke song that we wrote for the movie and mm -hmm. uh, we recorded it and it didn't go on the soundtrack. But every time the movie would play, we'd get like a little royalty. Mm -hmm. And it, it wasn't much, but it was still more than I've made for most stuff in music. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, um, well, Monty, so... You know what? What is next for you? I mean, are you? Do you consider yourself now to be a full-time artist, or is 
is music still something that's brewing in the background? Cause I don't know. I listen to the rock cast and I don't get the, I never get the feeling that you're like, man, I really need to get back out there on the road and get back, you know, get back in a van and go do it again. I, I sort of get the feeling that you like kind of being at home with a paintbrush instead of on stage with a bass. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I would probably be open to uh, playing more if, if this, you know, COVID thing ever gets over and we can play. I would probably be into that uh, at this point in my life. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen if we'll record again or if there will be opportunities to tour. Um, I would I would consider it now. Um but, uh, yeah, I mean, really the art is, uh, really what I'm focused on right now. Um, and it's going really well. And so I don't know, that's, that's been my, you know, main thing that I've concentrated on the last year. Or so, and, uh, that's kind of where I'm at. We'll see what happens though. Sure. Is it, when, when you do, um, paint, do, do you, I know you said you'll do it, you know, if somebody wants to paint a picture of their family or a mural or whatever, but for you personally, especially the stuff that you're, that you're just doing and then putting up for, to see if anybody is interested in buying, do you need creative, creative reasoning in your head? Do you need to feel that inspiration to do to do something, you know, and, and if so, what is it? Do you see a Dimebag video and think, Oh, I like the way he stood here. I'm going to paint that or, or, you know, what, what leads you to putting brush to, to canvas? Um, you know, if it's, if it's like the rock star thing, it's usually, <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, people that, you know, I really admire or, uh, you know, I got to be honest, though, you know, a lot of times it's just like uh, I'm motivated by, you know, hey, you think this will sell? You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've had people go, hey, you know, you ought to do a Steven Tyler. And, you know, the next thing you know, uh, you know, I'm working on a <laughs> nice <laughs> Tyler. Where is it? There we go. <laughs> nice. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, I get that kind of thing. You know, I'll have people suggest, you know, people that uh, they want to see. And I'm like, yeah, I can do that. And so I, it doesn't take much to inspire me. I'm, I'm you know, I, I love doing it. I love uh, I love painting and I'm motivated by, you know, starvation. <laughs> you're a true artist man you're a true artist <laughs> nice well Monty, i'll tell you what man why don't to, to wrap this up why don't you give everybody the plugs for the uh for the rock cast and for the painting and galactic cowboys and you know all the stuff that you're in okay um yeah uh galactic cowboys uh, i mean we're on facebook and Stuff like that. Uh, you can get a hold of me anytime on Facebook, just Monty Colvin. Uh, and uh, my art website is montycolvinart.com. And um, yeah, what else? The podcast. Yeah, uh, Monty's Rockcast. Uh, check that out. Uh, I try to put out one, you know, one or two a month. And so uh, check that out. But, uh, you know, uh, if you want a commission or anything like that, just drop me a, an email, a, you know, a message, and uh, I talk to everyone. Yeah. 
So buy something, you cheap fucks. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Help a poor starving artist. That's right. <laughs> He's been giving and giving and giving for 30 years. Give back <laughs> bucks or whatever. <laughs> nice. All right, yeah. Monty. Well, this has been fun, man. Great, great seeing you. Great having yeah, you thanks, on, man. Monty. Good luck with it, man. We'll, man. We thanks hope. for having me. This has been a blast. Uh, big fan of you guys, and uh, I really appreciate it. Awesome. All thanks, right, bro. Thanks, bro. All right, take Bye. care. All right, bye bye. All go. right, Monty Colvin. Oh, yeah, it's a funny guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. like Monty. Monty's, yeah, Monty is good people, man. And and I'm t- I'm gonna buy a piece of his art. He's got a unless I'm gonna say it now, and I'm I'm gonna. Hopefully not jeopardizing myself here, mm-hmm. but um, he's got a, a portrait of Lemmy on his site right now that I want. Yeah. Let me see if I can't pull it up real fast. I'm really taking the chance. But <laughs> 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 well, you know what? Hey, if somebody else buys it out from under me, whatever, he, it, at least it's sold. It's sold. You yeah. Know? It's so nice. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's in the end, that is the key. So mm-hmm. yeah, this is, this is well, the, and I really want this this thing for my. Well, it's, it's a good time to be you know putting that stuff out. People aren't spending their money going to seeing shows and music as much. So, whatever disposable income they do have, mm-hmm. oh, very cool, nice. Wouldn't that look good like on, on a wall somewhere, especially uh, in the Aiken Man Palace? <laughs> absolutely, look at that thing, man. Hell yeah, that's fantastic, man. Wow, that's, his art is fucking great, dude. I I mean wow. I I'm a. I'm a big fan of Monty Colvin's art, and it's it's weird because I'm not an art guy. I say you're not a collector, right? You're not a collector no, kind of guy. Anything. Yeah. I, I really don't collect anything, but I do have. I have this thing about Lemmy. I like. Mm-hmm. Now here, I'll, I'll put. I'll come back into the stream here. I pushed the wrong button. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but um, you know, I even have these little Lemmys. Lemmys. Oh, nice. Lemmys like my dude. You know. Nice. And, to the point that even in my books, my books are all dedicated to my father, my grandfather, and Lemmy, because those are the three guys that taught me how to be who I am. You mm-hmm. know, that, that kind of strong-headed, don't give a fuck, do it your own way guy. Sure. So, you know, to have that piece of Lemmy art on my wall will be awesome. Oh you know? yeah. Well, you said you got uh, Lemmy's uh, phone number in your I in your phone, right? Yeah. Do. Let me see if I can pull it. <laughs> you want to call it? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> see who has his phone now. <laughs> I actually do have Lemmy's phone. That's great. I, at one point. Yeah, why don't you at, tell that story? Yeah. Well, it, I had interviewed him. And at one point, um, you know, he was like, I, I called him and he wasn't ready for his interview. Mm. So he, he was like, just call me back in a little while. Let me, let me wake up. I, I woke him up out of like a dead sleep mm-hmm. and he was like, just call me back in a little while. And I was like, okay. And he was like, here's my number, you know, cause it, it was, I had his number, but it was like a press number and he yeah. wanted me to call him at his house. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't even know. I dude, even saying it, the story doesn't make full sense. Mm-hmm. It was cause I called him on a number. And then he, he didn't want to do it on that number. And he said he was just waking up, but then he gave me another phone number to call. Oh, wow. So the other phone number to call was like at his house or his apartment. Mm-hmm. So I put it in my phone and it's never come out of my phone since. And you got to leave it there, correct? 
I, I can't take it yeah, out. You can't take that out, man. No. He's Lemmy. Yeah, he's Lemmy. Exactly, man. Yeah. How do you yeah. take that out of your phone? Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> yeah, but that was fun. I mean, yeah, and it's interesting talking about, you know, Galactic Cowboys. Like I said, you know, just them getting compared, um, you know, to, you know, uh, King's X, I always thought was really silly. Like I said, it was yeah. all about, it was all about just because they're from Houston. Mm-hmm. You know, and obviously, and when Jerry Gasco played on that uh, record, um, the one in two, uh, 2000, I can't forget the name of it on the top of my head, but uh, obviously, then that's not going to help the comparisons when you've got the drummer from that band. But and like I said, it's really because I think the, you know, the harmonies on, on the vocals, you know, the, the, the choruses and a lot of the group vocals, right. you know. Well, and they all did know each other. Monty, mm-hmm. Monty told a story on, on one of his um, podcasts about how the way he ended up in Houston was because i think it was ty he was he was in one of ty's bands pre pre um, oh okay king's x mm-hmm. was ty ty had a band in houston and he was looking for a bass player and he said that's how he actually ended up becoming a bass player was because because he was a guitar player but he saw that there was a bass opening and he figured he could go out on tour if he could get that gig as a bass player so he he took off and you know bought a Rickenbacker bass and then mm-hmm. <laughs> taught himself to play bass and got the gig. Yeah. And that's no, how he became a bass player. Yeah. No. And then he, like he said, um, I think probably what it, what it was a lot of times was just those labels they were on, whether it was metal blade or it was, you know, Geffen, mm-hmm. they are, you know, I guess it was, they were a band. They're very unique, you know? So I guess it's, you, you couldn't really lump them into anything. They really had their own sound. You know, they really did. I mean, you know, a lot of bands claim we sound like nothing else. I mean, who else sounds like Galactic Cowboys? I, I really don't, you know, to me, nobody. You know, they definitely have their own unique sound. It's a really cool sound. I mean, uh-huh. it's it, to me, it's just it's so much talent because, sure, those guys, I mean, they played like thrash sort of metal and had like those, you know, harmonies that sound like the Beatles and stuff. You know, that's that's not easy to pull off, man. That's some, that's some talented stuff. That's some good stuff. You know what yeah. I mean? That's really hard and very unique and, yeah. You know, what was weird about that band, too, is I I, I honestly think if they would have just come out, I don't know, even six months later, they mm-hmm. might have been huge. Mm-hmm. But I think because they came out before grunge came in, mm, because yeah. they had a different sound than the 80s hair bands. They were totally. they definitely didn't lend themselves to being into that mix. Mm hmm. But they could have lent themselves to being into that grunge mix because they did mm-hmm. have a, sort of an alternative metal totally. vibe. Some of the mm-hmm. songs, you know, I'm not afraid yeah. of stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know, could have fit into the alt, alt metal phase. Mm-hmm. And I think if they would have just come out just a little bit after the whole, the first wave, the Nirvana and, um, mm-hmm. and, um, Soundgarden and whatnot, they they probably would have had significantly more success, mm-hmm. which probably would have would have made Monty even more crazy because he said he has said numerous times on his podcast about how much he hated Soundgarden. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's, he's, I know. One time he said, "I don't ever have to hear Spoonman again, ever." <laughs> I gotta agree with him on that. That song, yeah. Well, I mean, with Soundgarden, I, I think, you know, just my, my personal taste, you know, once uh, I think after Bad Motorfinger, it just started going downhill. Not downhill, but it just wasn't, they weren't the same to me. They didn't have the same yeah. aggressiveness. You know, obviously they were they were huge by then. So, you know, naturally they, you know, they changed a bit and got a little more commercial. 
Um, they, they went from being punk influenced and to, to being radio executive influenced. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They had like a punk Sabbath thing and then, yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. More commercial, but, um, but yeah. And also too, I mean, at that point in uh, when they were with Geffen, that was when Nirvana was coming out too on Geffen. You mm-hmm. know? So I'm sure that didn't help at all. You know, no. just getting any back in from the label, it all went towards probably Nirvana, yeah. you know? Dude, how many bands do we know that were just a, that's like a theme of aftershocks is we interview bands that were the also rans at labels that were, that were hemorrhaging money to other bands at the same time. Yeah, no, you're right. Mm -hmm. You know, we, when we talked to the Chimera guys, same story, Mm -hmm. you know, they they were throwing roadrunner was hemorrhaging all their money at slipknot Mm -hmm. and, and Sepultura and typo and, (laughs) and Chimera couldn't get any love Mm -hmm. and, you know, and, and therefore they didn't get to be as big as they, as they should have been. And Galactic Cowboys, kind of the same thing with at the Geffen time. Mm-hmm. Same time, you know, once Nirvana was selling, you know, 250,000 copies a week, well, guess what? Somebody, somebody's going to have to not get paid to pay for the pressing of those discs. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know? No, definitely. And, yeah. And guess what, little band that's that's playing exactly, yeah. 500 people? It's you. Yeah. <laughs> well, especially if it's your, your first release or so. You know what I mean? Right. It's one thing if you got a couple of releases out already, they already you know, have a good you know, sort of uh, measure of, of what your, you know, fan base is and how many, you know, units you're going to sell and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yeah, if, if you're putting your first record out at the same time, an album like, you know, Nevermind's blowing up. I mean, yeah. and it's in the same, like you said, not that they sounded the same at all, but it was in the same vein with sort of an alternative sort of sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could you could probably kiss your chance, you know, your chances yeah. goodbye after that, you know? Yeah. yeah. You better hope that Brian Slagle's writing big checks because. <laughs> yeah, they're not <laughs> coming from Geffen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but well, you know, that's that's smart. I mean, th- you know, it's interesting. You know, you bringing up Metal Blade—that's a great example right there. There's a label that did that with a lot of bands. You know uh-huh. what I mean? They, they not just did it with Galactic Cowboys, but uh, you know, I mean, Metal Blade signed uh, what do you call Goo Goo Dolls? For yeah. God's sakes, right? I mean, who would have thought a band like that would have been out on Metal Blade? I mean, yes, they were heavier back then, but they were never really super heavy. They were, you know. Uh-huh. But it's amazing how that band became such a huge pop band coming from Metal Blade. That's that's the whole. It is weird, I, and I think their biggest hit was on Metal Blade, wasn't it? That song name. I know. I don't think that was Metal Blade. I think they're already on a major by then. I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure. I, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure they were. Yeah. Yeah. That up. I think they were still on Metal Blade at that point. Or unless that record came out, it was on maybe maybe you got bought out right when it came out or something. I could have been sure. Let's see, but I think they put their first. Or second, I think the first couple of releases were out on Mailblade. I think the first two, if I'm, if I can remember correctly, it came out on night. No, it was it was a it was a split. Oh, it, it was okay. It was it was on the album, a boy named Goo. Yeah, was released on Metal Blade as a sub of Warner. Warner. Oh, okay. So it was a subsidiary. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. maybe for that release, Warner. Warner probably worked a licensing deal with Metal Blade for the mm, release to do it. Yeah, probably what they did. But yeah, yeah, because yeah, I I do remember when that came out. You know, I was I was a brand new, fresh upstart writer for Scene Magazine. Okay, and I remember getting getting the record, and I was you know I was at the time obsessed with like um, Fear Factory. I think was out right at the same time, ninety five. Okay. The mm. deep manufacture. Mm. And I was obsessed with that. So I had become kind of the metal guy, 
you know, mm-hmm. at, at this magazine mm-hmm. and, you know, anything that came out metal that was real metal was me, whether it was machine head or overkill or, you know, mm-hmm. whoever, whoever fuck it was would get to me. So our editor, you know, I don't think he even listened to the records. He just was like, Oh, metal blade, Chris Aiken. Mm-hmm. And then he'd mail me okay. this once a week. And I remember getting that Goo Goo Dolls record and putting it on. And I was like, the hell is this <laughs> and i actually called the editor of of the magazine at the time yeah. it was like i was like did you put this in my in my mail by mistake and he's like no it's on metal blade and i was like okay sure enough and i i re- remember reviewing it and just killing it <laughs> <laughs> i was just like this is trash from metal blade yeah well, I mean, Metal Blade, like I said, I think what was great about them was they took a lot of those bands that, you know, were maybe on a bigger label and metal bands, mostly obviously metal bands, uh, right. they got dropped. And, you know, obviously Slagle, what's great about him is, yeah, that book he put out was fantastic. I mean, um, I just love to see, I mean, he basically just signs mm-hmm. bands off of mm-hmm. his gut. If he likes them or thinks they can right. do something, there's no like, let's check the numbers, let's whatever. It's all, he goes by his gut all the time. I mean, he did back then and he still does today, supposedly, which I think, uh, that's what it's all about. I think that's why that label has been so successful. They're not measuring on, you know, units sold and whatever. It's just by about what he likes and what he thinks is going to do well. Right. And you he's know? the one thing I'll give Brian and, and I'll give Brian a lot of credit. I, I don't know Brian real well. I've interviewed him once, but I've never like just sat down and shot the shit with him. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I'll give him much credit for is he more than pretty much anybody else that was in the scene early mm-hmm. has grown with it. You know, yeah, most point. of those guys that came up point. in in the eighties or whatever, whenever you're nineties, even the two thousands, they had a distinct ear for a certain sound. Mm-hmm. Good and point. then when that sound went out of favor, so did their label. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why you see Vic like Victory Records has been sold numerous times now. Mm-hmm. You know, because you know, in the early days of Victory, it was what a, a hardcore. It's a, hard, it's a hardcore punk sort of label yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. and then all of a sudden they they were signing seven dust and creed i think mm-hmm. and you know they went a whole different direction with those kind of bands and mm-hmm. then they went emo, yeah, emo and, and you know they they've changed over the years you know the because they change people mm-hmm. brian has stayed current with the sound and has been able to adapt what he puts out to what's current. He's not putting out bands that still, I mean, he still does some, but he doesn't put out a lot of stuff that won't make sense today. Like, no, yeah. He doesn't put out a lot of stuff that sounds date. That sounds like new wave of British heavy metal or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, like you said, he, he has it. Exactly. He's adjusted. You, yeah. He definitely adjusted. And yeah. that's rare. That's very rare, man. It, it is rare. Well, I mean, a great example is, you know, like you said, I mean, here's a, they mostly, right back in the 80s, it was mostly, of course, New Wave of British Heavy Metal, the traditional classic metal stuff, then thrash metal. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, when, when it came to the 90s, he definitely, he did adjust. I think, I mean, they had a, a period there in the 90s where it wasn't maybe, it was, I think it was just a difficult period in time, you know, for metal in general anyway, you know, to figure out what was going to sell because metal just wasn't selling at all then. But um I mean, yeah, he's had DRI on Metal Blade, you know, so he got into the crossover thing. And then, listen, we're going to speak to Elias coming up. No, uh, Nonpoint was on Metal Blade as well, huh? you know. So there's a band that didn't necessarily fit the, the quote unquote, you know, mold, I guess you will. You know, more, you know, more of a new metal band. Uh, not necessarily that wasn't really a sound that that he was really 
signing many bands, you know, uh, you know, onto the label in the you know late nineties, early two thousands. But I think he just kind of he, he's just got a good knack. I mean, I remember he signed uh, the band uh, Blood Clot, you know, just yeah. uh, about three or four years ago. Uh, with you know, Nick Oliveri was in there, and of course John Joseph from Crowbags. Yeah. Uh, not once again, not a band you're usually going to see uh, on Metal Blade. Not really a metal, you know band or pure like old school hardcore band right um so but yeah he's just i mean he's just a guy you know that i mean it's amazing what he's been able to do i mean to keep yeah. that label going all these years it's still going strong i mean strong you know not just barely hanging on like you said right. he, he adapted you know a couple other labels have done that too uh one that's off the top of my head southern lord yeah you know, southern, I know, sure. you know most of that stoner dune stuff they put out and then they kind of saw there was going to be a shift coming and they got a, you know they got ahead of the curve and they signed a band like power trip I mean, mm -hmm. huge band, you know, so I mean, and they also started putting out a lot of old hardcore, you know, reissues like from Excel and sure. Uniform Choice and all these bands. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's important. Your, your label, you have to do that if you're going to uh, survive or, or like you said, you're going to have to sell to someone else who knows what they're doing. Mm -hmm. you know? And that yeah. was the one thing, you know, you, you mentioned the 90s. I think the I think the biggest obstacle that Slago had at, at Metal Blade was just the abundance of other labels that were out there at that time. I mean, true. Good point. That's that's one piece he didn't have to deal with in the eighties. There just weren't mm -hmm. a lot of extreme underground labels. Mm -hmm. But by the nineties, you had Century Media, you had Relapse, you had um, what was the label? Propane was on. Um, Mayhem. Mayhem. You had Ener Energy. Energy Records was there Energy too. Records. Yeah. You had yeah. Crash. Mm -hmm. You know, you had Pavement. True. I mean, mm -hmm. there were a lot, a lot. of those Spitfire. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Spitfire was more, you know, the the warrants and the wingers of the world. Well, well they had they had bands like Carmen to Burn on there. They had uh Suffocation, I think, was on there. Really? Uh, yeah, there were some there were some bands because it was a, mostly it was I think they were based out of Long Island. Okay. So they had they wanted to, you know, uh sign in some of those Long Island bands and you right. know suffocations from there. But uh but yeah, there was just a, like you said, there was there was a conglomerate of those kind of labels out there, yeah which probably yeah. made it a lot harder for Brian to pick talent because, mm -hmm. you know, you, you got to think that some of those bands, if they had any kind of business sense at all, if they mm -hmm. came out of a good meeting with Brian Slagle, well, then I'm going to go over to relapse's office and I'm going to mm -hmm. say, Hey, I just had a great meeting with Brian Slagle and he's getting ready to sign us. Can mm -hmm. you match your beat? Because yeah. We'd rather be with you because you're going to give us, you know, an extra, you know, 10 grand or whatever mm -hmm. it would be. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I'm sure some of the bands did play that mm -hmm. game, you know, which made Brian's life harder. I mean, for the sure. longest time, Brian was the man, you know, I mean, Brian was, there's Jeez. a reason there's 16 different editions of Metal Massacre out there mm -hmm. because Brian was constantly on the cutting edge and constantly in contact with these, with these other great bands, you know, that were, that were working. So, yeah, you know. Including, I think Brian was working with this guy at That's one right. point. I think Mr. he was. Hey. Yeah, yes. <laughs> What's up, Elias? <laughs> What's going on, boys? How you doing, Elias? Uh, a little bit of a work vacay. Oh, very <laughs> cool. Where, where are you at right now? Uh, I'm in uh, Higgins Lake in uh, central northern Michigan. How you guys oh, doing? Very cool. Good, yeah, man. We're doing good. Although I, I wish I was where you are right now. That looks freaking beautiful. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I figured if I'm going to work and it's got Wi-Fi and uh, I'm going to have to social distance. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's like, well, why the fuck not, right? 
right? This yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> look, I got. Look at this. I got. I got seagull friends over here. Wait, where they are? Is Very cool. Here. Somewhere. Here, I'll try to. Yeah, there we go. How you guys doing? Hell yeah. We're doing great, man. Thanks for coming on. So, obviously, for those who don't know, this is Mr. Elias Soriano from uh, Heavy Rock Mainstays Nonpoint. And uh, so, first off, uh, Elias, man, how are things going with you just personally and everything with your family with the pandemic? Are you guys all safe and sound? Uh, I'll be completely honest. Um, it it started off kind of rough. Okay. Um, I had my first bout of some serious anxiety. Uh, mm. I never really uh, uh, dealt with it before. A friend of mine, uh, Joe Reed out of uh, Cali Care Group and, and Tour Support CBD really uh, helped me kind of uh, for, you know, for the most part, helped me kind of level out a little bit. And, okay. uh, but I've, I've had a great time being at home with my family. Uh, if mm-hmm. anyone that knows me knows that I, I tour relentlessly. Um, so being away from my daughter and my wife isn't very easy. So, mm-hmm. you know, this is a bit of a, a blessing in disguise for, for me. I've had, you know, a chance to, you know, play teacher for my daughter for pretty much, uh, it's going to be a, a year, uh, mm-hmm. once school's done this semester. And, um, you know, I, I, I get to uh, be home with my wife and uh, she is jumping in because she's an essential worker uh, trying to keep, uh, you know, people stocked and people taken care of as as much as she can to do her part. Mm-hmm. Uh, the band has been, uh, dare I say, better than ever with uh, what's going on with our online posts and, and our mm-hmm. fan engagements and right. um, our releases as of late. So a bit of a roller coaster, but you know, the good part about a roller coaster is that you're attached to a track and eventually it, uh, it, it gets back to the front gates where you can go, let's go on it again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Man. You know what? I, you just brought something up too uh, that we were, me and Chris were talking about earlier is your social media. Um, yes. And I really, I got to commend you on it, man. You know, I think you're doing it just as good, if, if not better than, than most bands and musicians are these days. Um, you know, you're, you're, it's, it's very positive and uplifting your, your interactions, you know, you're keeping it humorous. And you know, I think at a time like this, when things are very serious, you know, it helps, you know, because people do look to, you know, musicians, it's not, you know, they look at them as entertainers, but also to indeed. inspire them, you know? Indeed, and, indeed. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and obviously, like, also what you guys did with your sort of uh, March Madness bracket there with the songs yes. I thought was really cool. And it looks like uh, the fans wound up choosing When Doves Cry there as the winner, huh? So yeah. is that what yeah. you guys are going to be covering that soon, huh? Yes, yes. That's going to be uh, what comes off the heels of, of In the Air Tonight. Um, you know, cool. the, the band... You know, we're we're adults and we're lighthearted people. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we do on stage sometimes is is a bit of a, a meme. You know, that whole uh, singers on stage versus singers off stage. It's like singer mm-hmm. on stage, lion, singer off stage, kitten. You know, that's normally <laughs> sure. what, what yeah. all rock acts normally uh, uh, get to be, uh, normally get pegged. But, um, you know, for... For us, 
especially as of late, let's let's not get it twisted. We're we're trying to stay lighthearted, but um, mm. anyone that's been following our band, our music, uh, our mission, our message, uh, with songs like you know "Bullet with a Name" and "There's Going to Be a War" and "Generation Idiot" and "Chaos and Earthquakes," uh, I said it. Uh, uh, you know, there's a there's a library within the library of songs that. Lost. Oh, all right. Yeah. Well, I guess you had some connection problems there. As you see, he was kind of yeah. coming in into that a little bit there. So I'm Come sure back. he'll he'll be back in a minute. But yeah, just to to just you know, we might as well uh, continue to talk about that. But it really has. I mean, I, I love what they do on social media. Obviously, we yeah. talked about this a little bit, but okay, here he comes. There you okay. are. There I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. All right. I'm back. <laughs> I'm back. Uh, so, so uh, anybody that knows us knows our message. And, you know, I am a person of color. Uh, mm. My guitar player is a person of color. My drummer is a person of color. Um, so we, we all have seen the ups and downs of, uh, you know, inequality and, and, I've dealt with it more than you could possibly imagine. I've had death threats. Uh, I've had, uh, you know, people call me the N-word more times than I can count on both hands. And mm -hmm. as you can see, I'm a relatively lighthearted person. Sure. Uh, yeah. But, um, you know, there is a, a an importance to uh, uh, the message and everything that's, that's happening right now in the world. Um, I feel like, uh, you know, we've said it for decades now. Uh, yeah. And, you know, now it's time for us to maybe sit back a little bit and, and, and let those that, that were quiet about it for some time uh, kind of speak up. And, and I'm, I'm, I got to say, I'm, I'm really honestly very proud of, of our genre, um, of, of, you know, artists uh, like Rob Flynn that speak out uh, constantly, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the gambit of artists that are coming together to really, you know, help spread the message about, uh, keeping you know, equality and, and, you know, just happiness around each other just going. So, uh, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm excited ab uh, about the times and, and, uh, I I'm glad to see some of, uh, some of our message really, really coming to be. Sure. Yeah, um, uh, Elias, do you think, you know, and, and I'm, I'm dating back and it's hard to look backwards, but since, mm -hmm. since you, you touched on this, I'm going to, I'm going to play one further. Do you think that the metal community as a whole was not ready to shed its racist underbelly back in the two thousands when you came out? Cause I, I can point to, four or five bands that should have been much bigger. Yours being one seven dust, God forbid, Skindred, head PE. You know, I mean, you can name them pretty easily and they just didn't get, didn't get the love that, you know, the red hat guy got. I mean, if you, if you go as far back as living color and, 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 yeah. you know, uh, mm -hmm. it's just, it's obvious. Um, did we ever let it, slow us no of no. course not you know mm -hmm. at, at least at least uh internally and and you know you're you 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 
you play the hand you're dealt, you know. Right. And I'm I'm pretty damn good at bluffing. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we've we've survived as long as we have. And, uh, you know, I, I rested on our fan base and and our music uh, and again, our message. And, and that's that's I feel like that's enough. Sure. And, and you know, you say that you've rested on it. I'm going to disagree with you that you've rested on anything. Last two records you've put out are better than are better than anything that you've done in your catalog in my eyes. And I'm not Thank just you. bullshitting you. you on that either. I, mm. I, you know, I, I love it. It's such a weird thing because most times when a band puts out a single, I hate it. I'll just be honest. I, I almost always hate the single because it's usually the, it's usually the weak poppy song on the record. Chaos and earthquakes has is stuck in my head and it won't leave. And it was, you know, obviously a single, Yes. You, you guys know, are getting stronger, man. I, I gotta I gotta give credit where credit's due. At this point in our careers, we we've written ten records. Uh right. I've published probably about a hundred and eighty songs. Um so I love them all. Uh the excitement that I get playing them and writing them uh is is always is always the same. Uh, right. The gas that I get out of writing is 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 hands down the biggest gas that I get out of of, of being uh, in the music business. Very very closely followed by being on stage. Um, but uh, you know, when it comes to you know that particular song, I got to give credit where credits due. Um, at the time we were on Spine Farm uh, Records. And, you know, we, we, we turn in the body of work as we have in, in many uh, past situations with other uh, labels. And, you know, we hope that they're going to pick that song. Okay? Right. We okay. hope that they're going to pick that song. Um, it doesn't always happen. It doesn't always happen. Normally they, they go after that single sound. Um, we were sh shocked that they wanted to go with with that song as well. So when when uh, when they want when they said that they wanted to go with Chaos First, we we definitely uh, uh, backed that play a hundred percent because it was it was a song we were excited to play live as soon as we were done writing it. So sure. Now yeah. now Elias, you've you've obviously gone through a zillion changes in in the career, whether it's band members or whether it's labels, obviously, as you were just saying. Yes. And yet I would say for anybody, for anybody that's not a big fan of of nonpoint that has heard you here or there, heard what a day or you know, whatever back then and mm -hmm. hasn't followed along. Yours is one of those catalogs that you can listen to at any point. You can pick any record in the catalog, throw it on and understand what you are. You guys have an amazing level of consistency that is very hard to maintain with so many different changes. What do you, what do you attribute that to? Is it you? Is it you and Rob or, or what? Um, I think it's everyone understanding that we're, we don't leave or walk away from a song until we know that uh, it's a non-point song. Okay. A long time ago, I'd say second record, second record. Uh, it was development. Uh, a gentleman named
Greg, who we lost the, him. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. Now I'm back. Uh, okay. a, a gentleman named Matt Swig, who was uh, our photographer at the time, said it best. If you walk past a room with your eyes closed and our band is playing, you will know it's us. Plain and simple. Um, so I, I carry that through, you know, through the, the records and just did my best to always understand that my main goal was to write a song that connected, uh, but also a song that in one way or another moved the people that were listening to it. So, um, my band members always, uh, really committed to that idea and to that commitment. And we only chose members that were committed to that commitment. Mm -hmm. So hence the product. Very cool. Very cool. Well, Lice, you know, just taking it back a little bit, I know back, you know, you guys obviously started back in the late seventies and you, I mean, seventies, excuse me, nineties. And then you made your, you know, really it took off in the early two thousands there, you know, during that whole uh, new metal uh, period. And like, you know, many other genres in metal, it has its peaks and valleys, you know, over the years, obviously, you know, peaked right around the time you guys started getting big, it really peaked. And then obviously it kind of dipped in and you had that metal core and the screamo stuff that came along right after that, you know, but the thing about you guys, you guys never took your feet off the gas. You continue to put out records, you toured relentlessly and you sort of fought through those valleys until that music started peaking again, which is starting to, it's been kind of doing the last 10 years or so. You're starting to see, because, you know, a lot of the, the new generation of metal and rock fans are coming up and they're discovering Nine Point. They're discovering a lot of those bands from that time. Do you think um, by sticking to your guns all those years, staying true to your sound and to yourselves, that really did help, you know, attract the ears of this new generation of music fans? Because, um, you know, you guys sort of not, you know, to sort of quote Dave Chappelle, you guys literally, kept, you know, you guys were keeping it real all these years even though that sound wasn't as big as it once was. And I think now it's really kind of helping you guys uh, becoming even more now, uh, you know, bigger than you probably ever were before. Uh, you know what? Uh, there's a couple layers to that, honestly. Mm. Um, of course, staying honest with your music is, is the easiest way to be able to perform it on stage without looking like you're faking it right um yeah uh, you know I, I i tell the guys all the time there's a certain kind of lyrical boundary and uh musical just vibe that non-point is non-point I've written mm. pop songs. I've written help with writing country music. I've written Latin songs. I've, you know, uh, uh, it's really run the gambit for me. So my love for music is 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 across the board. But Nonpoint mm. is its own thing. Um, so uh, us lasting this long and us doing this this long um, is us being honest. Our popularity as of late. I'm gonna be. 100% transparent. Um, it has to do with our attention to our socials. Mm, it okay. has to do a lot with um, the team that we've built. Mm -hmm. uh, our creative director, director Francesca Ludicar. Um, our producer, Fred Archambault. 
our new producer, Fred Archambault. Uh, Rob Rusha, basically sixth member, uh, helps write uh, piano parts, strings, um, as well as engineer, uh, helps us sometimes even in the writing process. The band has streamlined a lot of things, but really put a lot of new focus into a lot of areas that uh, I'm embarrassed to say we should have done a long time ago. Um, luckily for us, we still have a lot of gas in the tank and uh, a lot more uh, records to write, I feel. Um, mm -hmm. Our newest member, Jason uh, Zielstra, is actually probably one of the most involved and curious band members I've ever had in this band uh, when it comes to the other workings on top of the songwriting and his vigor and excitement for being in a project of, you know, just writing music is, is, is fun. Um, mm. But having a, a, a new business partner that uh, seems to want to care and seems to want to uh, know all the facets that it takes to be uh, as consistent as we've been and mm -hmm. to have the longevity that we've had, uh, that puts even more fuel in the, in, into the tank. So mm -hmm. um, a lot of excitement coming around the corner. Um, having come off the heels of our rebranding in the last, I'd say, year and a half, two years, and then uh, all of our posting, uh, you know, events that we've been having ever since we came off uh, of being dark and, uh, you know, the beginning of the pandemic. Um, so a lot of cogs, a lot of cogs mm -hmm. have helped make this happen. And, mm -hmm. you know, as well as my management team, uh, my radio uh, rep, Bob, Shauna, you guys know Shauna, you know, sure. everybody getting involved to really see that, you know, the band is hyper-focused and, uh, you know, ready to, to take over the world. Sure. Yeah. Well, and, and just to, you know, uh, you know, piggyback sort of on that, you know, with your social uh, media presence, um, like me and Chris have been talking about earlier, I really think once, the pandemic is over. Things kind of go back to, you know, somewhat semi-normalcy here. It's going to really benefit a band like you guys because you've set, you know, you, you've taken the opportunity during this time and you've really sort of used it instead of, you know, sitting back and just kind of, you know, being lazy and not doing anything with your band. You're, 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 you're sort of seizing the moment, even though it's a sort of weird moment, you're kind of seizing that to continue to, I mean, not only engage with your already strong fan base, but you're going to definitely pick up a lot of new fans as well. I think through that as well. Uh, well, we hope so. Uh, yeah. we, we planned on taking a very long break. This wasn't planned at all. Uh, mm -hmm. we had Francesca with us for basically a year, uh, with a year's worth of plans that we had lined up. Um, but we were, gonna be gone for a long time mm. uh when the pandemic happened our fans and our comment sections and everybody was wondering where the hell is nonpoint um you know it was it was just time to do something so uh mm. 
again, I, I give credit where credit's due. My team, my creative director, my band, my dudes, uh, all, you know, come in and making it happen. It was, yeah. it was uh, I, I'm a lucky guy. I'm a lucky mm. guy. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. And I saw the other day you guys uh, had kind of got, I saw on your social you know media page that you guys got together for the first time in, in quite a while. Why don't you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, the time before that, it was it was basically just before the pandemic really started to get crazy. Uh, mm. But we, you know, once we figured out that Dove's Cry was going to be the song, we had mm. to get to work. You know, people are going to want to know. You guys are going to want to hear it. True, you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, we decided to get in a room and, and you know, make the magic happen the way it, it happens the best, which is when we're together uh mm. as you could see from the post we wore masks we social distanced mm -hmm. um uh, i took a covid test as soon as uh i got home a couple days later uh my wife also took a covid test thankfully they both came negative um so everybody's safe everybody's sound and um i'm looking forward to everybody here in dove's cry awesome and when, when things open back up elias um Obviously, there's going to be less rooms to play. I mean, that's just a reality of it is you're going to you're going to yeah. have 20, 30 percent of the rooms are going to close. Mm -hmm. Are you going to suffer from that? Or do you think that the reputation of the band and the consistency of the band is going to help you to secure dates, you know, with with the remaining clubs? Because, you know, as well as I do, it is going to be open season on trying to get rooms to play. Absolutely. Um I'll be honest with you. I've said this uh, on a couple. I'm I'm getting. By the way, I'm getting eaten by horseflies here. It's uh, oh, that hour, so it's the mosquito time. So we'll get oh, to yeah. we'll get the good sunset in the background. Um, so I said this in a in a couple of interviews, and and I'll say it uh, here. It's really going to come down to bands getting together, fans taking the time to schedule these shows. Uh, but us packaging up, it's going to take large packages that mm. shows last long periods of time throughout the day. You know, I'm talking doors at four, goes to mid. Sorry about that. Hey, can you see me? Yeah, yeah we're good. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Uh, just so everybody has that opportunity. Obviously, uh, there's a lot of movements happening right now. Save, save our stages. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the things that we did when we came out was the Alive and Kicking initiative, uh, trying to get everybody involved and try to, uh, you know, that whole love thy neighbor, trying to put it into uh, the music business and really get, you know, teamed up with your friends and start making plans together now. Uh, so that way clubs don't have to pick and choose because they're going to have to. So might as well take this package, put it together with this package, make it an all day event or sell one ticket for two days. So that way it's a huge package. And that way these, these, you know, almost bands are, are touring together and giving fans that festival feel that they didn't get to have during this whole past year and sure. getting together yeah. and, and, and having a, a weekend of fun. Um, that to me is, is going to help uh, keep 
the couple of venues that are going to be able to survive this thing, uh, but also to uh, get every band back out on the road. So that way club owners that had to take, you know, a little bit of leave of absence can maybe get on their next project fast enough and have enough bands to fill those venues once they get back on their feet. Right. What's it going to take for you to be comfortable you know, obviously, you know, you're going to... A federal I, I, response. A singular you, okay. federal response. One set of guidelines. The fact that many states, many governors are all doing a million different things. Oh, mm-hmm. I, you don't have to wear masks here. You can wear masks in the southern part of the mm-hmm. state, but you don't have to wear masks in the northern part of the state. Or uh, social distancing here, but you don't have to social distance here. Uh, this is the problem. You know, it's, it's, you know, people don't understand, you know, there's, there's entirely too much travel available and happening in the U S. So there's no way to guarantee that this person isn't coming from this town that has been responsible and a little more strict and into this other town that hasn't been more strict. So, uh, you know, I have a daughter who has asthma, um, Mm. uh, I had a, my guitar player, my new guitar player just lost his grandmother to COVID. This is something that people don't take seriously until it's on their doorstep. Um, I will say this, my camp is not going anywhere until there is a singular set of guidelines that not only gives us the safety that we need, but gives our fans the safety that, that we need. Mm. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, I, I tell you what, Elias. Um, why don't Why don't you give out the plugs for the various places where people can keep up with Nonpoint and um, let them know, and, and and certainly give out the socials because we're not kidding when we say it's it's the most it's one of the most fun socials of any it band is. out there today. Definitely. And right before you do, real well, quick, we're, we're going to keep having fun. Hold up. Hold on one second, Elias. I just wanted to commend you. I said it at the beginning of the podcast. I'm going to say it again. The video of you washing your hands oh, yeah. <laughs> in chaos and earthquakes is my favorite video on the web today to, where you're showing people how long to wash your hands while you're singing <laughs> the song. I must have watched that video 20 times because it's so silly that it's fun. You know, it's just so obvious. It, it's just a fun thing. <laughs> your, your whole social thing is, is a lot of fun. So it is. Yeah. let people know where they can go to enjoy well, some of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you can go to the Elias Soriano for my personals. Uh, you got Nonpoint Band on uh, Facebook. Uh, non- no, my Nonpoint Band on Instagram. Nonpoint Official uh, on Facebook. Uh, but if you go to nonpoint.com, there's a link to shoot you to everything. Uh, Nonpoint Store is our store. Uh, but, you know, keep an eye out. We're always changing things up. Uh, we always got funny videos and TikToks and all sorts of stuff. Uh, posting everywhere so um, awesome it, it's it's gonna be a good time this year uh we're not done by a long shot awesome. awesome awesome dude well uh, well elias thanks so much for taking the time and um go get out of the bugs man yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. I'm getting, yeah. But hey, hey, hey. yeah hey it's worth it look at this yeah. beautiful yeah. man beautiful <laughs> look, at that, man. look at that you guys have oh, a great yeah. night all right, all right man, you too, man. Take care. Take care. thanks again all right yeah all right, all right. Well, it's elias yeah like that guy.
Yeah, he's a cool guy, man. And, and it's true, man. Those social media posts he's doing is it's pretty damn. It's very. I mean, it's like it's super creative. You know, it's not like he mm-hmm. just put that thing together in like two seconds. You know, or like just a little video with his daughter or something. No, those things are definitely well thought out and and yeah. planned in advance. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, and he said he's got a team. He's, you yeah. know, and that has always been. I've always thought that that was one of those things that, you know, I, I've done promotional things with, with non-point in the past. Mm-hmm. And, and that was always the thing with non-point very organized. Yeah. They've always been. And, and where he's saying that they weren't in the past, I cannot agree with him on that because mm-hmm. I've dealt with non-point. We did two or when I was at WMMS, we did two or three different years of promotions okay. with non-point and they were always super, super easy to deal with, mm-hmm. you know, because if they were supposed to be somewhere at four o'clock, they were there at three forty-five. you know, if they were supposed to be, you know, doing an interview, they didn't show up hammered. They, mm-hmm. you know, they came, they did their thing. They were professional. They were fun. Just like tonight. Yeah. Right. He's out yeah. in the woods. Mm-hmm. He's out in the woods, but he was still, know. On. Yeah. you know, they're pros, pros, man. And, and musically they're, they're, they're a great band. And, and what, when you talk, when we talk about bands that are consistent, mm-hmm. there's no band more consistent than nonpoint. Oh, absolutely, man. Yeah, I agree. Every album is great. Every mm-hmm. album sounds like nonpoint and every album comes out every two years. Yeah, no, they've, they've got their, uh, like I said, it's, ten, I mean, exactly 10 records in like 20 years, I guess yeah. the average two a year. They tore, I mean, it's, they're one of those bands, you know, when new metal started, you know, kind of, going like i was saying before into a valley it was sort of disappear in the mid 2000s there was a handful of those bands that still kind of hung around but it was interesting a lot of the ones just sort of jumped ship it's like okay this sound is you know it's over they just kind of just dropped it bands like non-point head pe kept going um there was probably about you know i guess five to ten maybe bands in that in that genre that that kept it going i used to sit down, i gonna lie i would sit there and like you know, I'm like, come on, these guys kidding myself. This stuff is is done. You know, I don't think anybody's right. really buying this and really going to these shows. And and I, you know, I was living in L.A. I'd see like, <laughs> you know, those package tours with Nonpoint, and, you know, Head PE, just all those all those bands. And I'd be honest with you, I really thought it was just they were, you know, that scene, that sound, everything was just. Sure. It was sort of like you know a, a lighter version of of the you know hair metal scene, you know, at Sunset, mm-hmm. meaning like because of the way you know the the, the fashion and everything and. I think people just got obviously so saturated with the whole mixing hip hop and, and metal together that it was just something that was never going to be kind of looked upon as, you know, something right. that people want to get into anymore. But it's amazing. I would, I would see nonpoint on every, like, you know, touring with machine head or touring with this yeah. band and that band. I'm like, wow, these guys are still around and kicking. Like I was pretty shocked. And then here it is. They're still going, like I said, and they're bigger than it didn't really ever. I mean, and, and then, you know, like we were, We've been, you know, I think we've talked about this before, but it's like because of those, you know, uh, newer generation of fans coming up, mm-hmm. I think those bands like Nonpoint and the ones that did stick around, they're going to once again, because they stay consistent, they didn't, you know, they just stayed true to the sound. You know, they didn't try to become, you know, heavier or faster or anything. They're just like, no, this is what we do. I think those those bands now with, with a sort of resurgence in that music, they're gonna. They're the ones that are gonna, you know, basically benefit from it by sticking to their guns and staying true to it. And you know, kudos to them and and you know for doing that. You know? Yeah. No, it's it's a great testament to the, to their work ethic and to their commitment to it. And 
you know, it, and you know, a lot of bands, I know a ton of bands. There's very few of them that treat their band like the business that it is. Mm, that's the other thing. Yep. Too many, too many bands are out there thinking that it's, uh, you know, that it's little more than an excuse to get laid and to get drunk, mm. and you know, and, and, and in some regards, you can live that way for a while as a band, mm-hmm. but you can never survive that way as a band. If you yeah. look at any band on any level, that's all that has su- succeeded for a really, really, really long time. Mm-hmm. You won't find, you'll find one that just seems to keep on partying and that's the stones, you know, yeah. other <laughs> Other than Keith Richards, yeah. Rolling Stones, every other one of them, you know, look, U2, not exactly a party band. Mm-hmm. Definitely U2 is a business. Metallica, definitely a business. Mm-hmm. Not, not a party band anymore. Now, definitely it's the business of Metallica. Mm-hmm. You know, the who is still business to the point that those guys don't even like each other, but they still do business together. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, any big band, Springsteen, Bon Jovi, you know whoever you want to name, if they're an arena type band, Pearl jam, mm-hmm. you know, it's very businessy. You don't hear, you remember when Pearl jam came out, they were a party band. Mm-hmm. They were, yeah, they sure. Were, all that jumping up and down off of, mm-hmm. off lighting. Uh, well, the movie singles, you know? Yeah, yeah. exactly. They were they're a not- party band. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden they became this serious mm-hmm. professional band. Well, I mean, you can't, I don't think you could be a party band, and and be consistent and be professional. I mean, it's just unless, I mean, so, I mean, obviously a lot of bands did before, but think about even thinking about those bands in the seventies that were those party bands, mm-hmm. the Aerosmiths, you know, even the Black Sabbaths and stuff. I mean, they went through those periods where they had to, you know, they broke up for a while. They had to sort of regroup and everything, you know. Dude, I I just watched this afternoon um, a documentary on the Beastie Boys, and. I'm not even a Beastie Boys fan. I'll just be honest. They're okay. I don't yeah. hate anything. I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. You know, I don't know why they're considered this crazy cutting edge band, but I don't know either. Mm-hmm. But it, this was a fascinating. And I'll, I'll recommend this to anybody. It's on Apple Plus or Apple TV Plus or whatever that's called. Mm-hmm. And I watched this documentary, and they talked about that they were just a goof band. They they mm-hmm. themselves thought they were a goof band. Mm-hmm. And when they did, you got to fight for your right to party and all that nonsense. They became the goof. The goof was to goof on frat boys. And then mm-hmm. they became the frat boys. The frat boys. The mm-hmm. <laughs> and they went to shit immediately. Paul's boutique, which was the second album they released. No one cared. No. Well, well I, I, you know what? They I said think you're wrong. They said it themselves. They, no one cared about that record when it came out. Well, when it came out, okay, I could see that, you know, yeah, it, um, become yeah. this, this thing. Okay. But it, but it's, they, they literally were playing, they were headlining Madison square garden. Yeah. I remember that. Licensed mm-hmm. to ill. Yep. And then they put out Paul's boutique and they couldn't even get a tour. Hmm. They literally were playing thousand seat clubs. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's no, go ahead. Sorry. Well, yeah. and then they went away for a while. Mm-hmm decided to stop being idiots, you know, made the funny videos, but stopped being drunks and drug addicts all the time. Mm. And then they, they came back. That's when they had check your head and, you know, you know, yeah. and, and came back as a different band it was sabotage, which became their biggest hit, you know, ever, oh, ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and, yeah. and it, but, it, but it was weird when they were, uh, when they were a party band, 
they had immediate success and it true. burned out as fast as it could. That's true. Yeah. When they regrouped as a more serious entity, mm-hmm. they rose, they brought themselves back. Sure. Well, no, I mean, that's a, that's a great point. Like, but and like we were just basically saying, you can't be a party band and be, and really be serious at the same time. I mean, especially well, the thing too, with, with party bands is if you're a party band, you put usually your party band when you start, right? I mean, you start sure. out that way. You don't definitely, you know, I think you evolve into a party band, but I think, like you said, it, you can only do that so many times. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You could put out, I mean, does everyone every two years want to hear a record about you, you know, about talking about party and having a good time? I mean, like Andrew WK, you know what I mean? As someone like him, party guy, right? The mm-hmm. ultimate frat rock party guy. No one's, even if he tried to become serious too, no one's going to take him serious. Yeah. So I think, I think a lot of bands realize that is like, you can make your start that way. But if you're, if you really want to, you know, have a long career mm-hmm. and put out a lot of records and really be taken serious, you know, to be taken seriously, yeah. you got to be serious. You know what I mean? And I mean, there's, I mean, this guy's, but somebody, like you said, a Metallica is a great example of, I mean, they didn't really sing about too much about partying, but obviously they did that behind the scenes. But um, yeah, I think it's just, you know, you can't be, a um a serious band, you know, I mean a party band forever. If you really want to quote unquote make it or have a long career, or you're just gonna pigeon you so you know pigeonhole yourself into that. You know, I make a great example like New York Hardcore. You got the band uh, Murphy's Law. You know, yeah. they're the ultimate party band. They toured with the BC Boys on that Madison Square Garden. You know that that tour. Sure. And same with them. They came out. They had that, but they they just stayed that way, and that's why no one ever really took them serious. Right. They just they're a classic hardcore band, but that's it. They're never going to be you know no more than that. And, and yeah. look, the biggest the biggest party band I think in the entire history of the world might be Motley Crue, mm. but Motley Crue put out the serious record, which gave them the transition point. I, I know it also did had a different singer or whatever, but if you uh-huh. think about it, that's the one serious record that Motley Crue had. And that mm-hmm. was at a time when they were dead. Yeah. Motley sure. Crue was over, mm-hmm. you know, Motley Crue was dead. It gave them that down point and then they were able to rebuild. And if you think of anything that they came with since Vince Neil rejoined the band, mm-hmm. you're not hearing about, you know, no. hookers yeah. and blow anymore. True. You're just hearing about a really fun show, pyro, mm-hmm. Tommy's crazy drums. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't hear about, yeah, Nikki six got arrested for, you know, for doing blow or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. you, you don't hear that anymore. They yeah. became somewhere along the way they put the management in charge and the management made them get serious mm-hmm. and they were able to come back, you know, another band, just like that Aerosmith. Yeah. Aerosmith mm-hmm. was Aerosmith yeah. run out the string. Sure. Yeah. They, yeah. as a party band, they ran out the string. They were done. And, yeah. And then they got clean, put in better management and were, even though they haven't put out good music in 30 years, mm-hmm. they've been able to still stay an arena size band mm-hmm. with, with 30 years of bad music. Yeah. No, but, but you never, when's the last time you heard about one of those guys getting in trouble? It's been uh, quite some time. Years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's true. No, I know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, no, you it's your point. Dude, it's so funny because I I just watched Joe Rogan had uh, Steven Tyler on Mm -hmm. and Tyler was talking about, you you know, how like two years ago there was that whole thing about Steven was quitting the band and Mm -hmm, they weren't really a band anymore and all this. Well, Steven broke all that down. And do you know what the, you know what the, the problem was management Mm. 
It wasn't even the band. It wasn't the guys. It was that Steven didn't like the direction the management was taking Aerosmith. Mm. And so he wanted his own management to take over for the rest of the management. Okay. And so they weren't hearing it, but they, they literally almost ended their 40 year run, not based on themselves or inner problems, but Mm -hmm. on problems with management. Mm -hmm. And that says right there, that's the difference between a active successful band and, uh, Mm -hmm. You know, and a bunch of partiers back in the old party days, they would have probably just said, fuck it. Who cares? Sure. But if, if, if it was met, so if it was management, that was the problem. Mm-hmm. My thing is, okay, well then it, it, did the other members have the problem with the management at the same no. way Steven Tyler did? No, they didn't. No. Right. Exactly. But Steven just was like, I'm, I'm not working mm. with these guys. Anymore. Well, well then that also becomes though, a, a pro- in a way, a problem with each other because well, they're yeah, disagreeing, yeah. you know, I guess, I mean, Somewhere along the way, all I'm saying is that in the old days, they would have, you know, they would have, you know, done a few lines of Coke and worked it out. Worked it. I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. But they wouldn't have had the staying power because mm-hmm. it would have failed a lot quicker because they would have been making True. stupid decisions True. based on partying where now, you know, in the end, they did work it out. Aerosmith hasn't broken up. Mm-hmm. They're still doing tours when they're, when, when bands are allowed to tour, they're still out there. True. So, you know, that's mature band versus, versus, yeah. you know, yesterday's band. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, we, we can, I mean, just from doing, you know, these interviews too, the last few months, you could tell the, the serious professional musicians oh, yeah. compare, like you said, right here, we, Elias is the greatest example because he's on vacation mm-hmm. and yeah, he's still out there talking to us. I mean, when I, I did, you know, the one with, uh, John Keevil from Warbringer. He was taking like groceries in, but he was, and he was a couple of minutes late, but he was, he was there. He's on his phone. I mean, he got to it. You know I mean? I mean, how many times have we seen, you know, I'm not going to name any names, but bands that are the, you know, obviously blow us off with blown us off or late or all oh, they, you know, didn't have the right technology, you mm-hmm. know, with something. It's like, obviously you just see the difference. You see why those bands, you know, didn't necessarily do what they maybe could have done compared to like a non-point which continues just to you know take off mm-hmm. yeah you know she yeah. keeps running man yeah no absolutely man so yeah but hey so we're getting uh we got a couple minutes here left uh so yeah why don't we go ahead real quick and let's talk about our next all right tremors yeah. live why don't you go ahead and announce the lineup chris because you, you know this is a good one this is a good one um for the next one which is in two weeks um same time seven to nine p.m on um on the 26th, Wednesday, the 26th, we have three guests. Um, we have the band in vertigo, mm-hmm. which you and I both love that band. So we do. We sure we, do. We're definitely happy to have them on. And then, um, guy, a few of you have probably heard of in the past. Uh, Mr. Jeff Scott Soto will be joining us to talk about his new solo project. And mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll talk about sons of Apollo and, um, the wet project and you know any of his other 43 bands that he's exactly, yeah <laughs> and then after that we will have one mr david ellison will be checking in from the studio of um recording the new megadeth record hell yeah so we will get a megadeth update from mr david ellison mm-hmm. of megadeth about what's going on with the new megadeth and what's going on with his covers album no cover you know, the, the new Ellison record and uh, mm-hmm. working on his art and, you know, the, the music foundation that he's running and 
you know, we'll have a lot to talk about. So it's going to be a very busy show here in two weeks. So yeah, man, mark your calendars now, folks, because it will be David Ellison, Jeff Scott Soto, and Invertigo on the next live edition of Aftershocks Tremors. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Well, I, I can't wait for that. I mean, that's going to be great. Um, that's a great lineup. Yeah, absolutely. We're definitely pumped for that. And uh, yeah, so I mean, uh, it was a great night tonight, obviously. Um, you know, our second uh, live version here of Tremors. And like you said, we got the third one lined up and we're going to continue to do this, you know, every other week, uh, you know, biweekly on Wednesdays, yeah. like you said, from uh, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. And um, yeah, so uh, and of course, we have a We've had another busy week this week on Aftershocks right. uh, with the with the interviews and the podcast itself. So uh, once again, we're on Amazon uh, TV, Fire TV. We're also on Roku. So go check us out there and also keep out, uh, keep on the lookout in the future. We're going to also have an app for it as well. And uh, once again, look out for the CMS Podcast Network, Aftershocks Podcast, Classic Metal Show, and Shockwave Skull Sessions under one umbrella. And with that, I guess we're getting ready to wrap this up. Yeah, let's get yeah. up. Fuck out of here. Get out of here. All right. See everybody next time. All right. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to Aftershocks. For more episodes, go to our website at www.aftershockspodcast.com. Visit us on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages for more news and information on the podcast. And be sure to subscribe, listen to, and review all episodes on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all other podcast platforms. For your music listening pleasure, visit our website or go to www.shockwavesradio.com. For all comments and questions, please email us at info at aftershockspodcast.com. <laughs>